Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. The scripture reading for this evening is from Hebrews 12, if you'd like to turn there with me. It's verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God. We could say that um, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of children, that we will endure you. <laughs> we are, uh, yeah, half those are mine, so yeah. Um, it was, uh, I was ending my junior year of high school and turning the corner into my senior year. And I had this revelation that I was like, I don't want to graduate high school and have been a band nerd my entire way through school. Like I want to figure out a way to change my identity just a little bit, even just a little bit at the very end. Cause I had done like, now I'll be at like, I was a drummer, so there was like some cool points in that, but still like I was concert band, jazz bands, uh, orchestra, all the pep band, which that's probably the most embarrassing one. Um, and yeah, I was like, man, I, this, this is my last chance to, to have an opportunity to, to, uh, to be an athlete. And so, you know, I thought, all right, so you can't just uh, start your senior year, jump in at the varsity level on for basketball or football or soccer so you know what are my options and the only thing I think of that I could just jump in and start doing was cross-country running because I'm, I'm sorry to say to all my my runner friends out there that you know it's not it's hard but it takes like no skill you know like it's the thing that everybody <laughs> it's the punishment for all the other sports that you choose to do for fun and it's like, I don't know if you've seen School of Rock, but there's that, uh, there's that thing when Jack Black says, those who can't do, teach, and those who can't teach, teach a gym. So this is like, those who can't play sports, sit the bench, and those who can't sit the bench, run cross country. So that's what I did. Um, and I, amazingly enough, every race that I ran that year, I won. I'm just kidding. I didn't win anything. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't place, I didn't do anything. I was just dead weight on the team because I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember the, the summer going into senior year, our coach, I was trying to think, did he email us or did he like send a letter? I don't even think it was, I don't think they were emailing students at that point. I think I literally got a letter in the mail that was typed up saying, hey, this summer uh, in preparation for, uh, for cross country this year, I want everyone that's, that's gonna be on the team to run 100 miles this summer. And I was like, what? How, you know, I was already tired just thinking about having to run 100 miles over the course of the summer. And, um, you know, there were so many points that year of uh, doing cross country. 
and also did track too, but I definitely enjoyed cross country more because you're not just like running in circles the whole time. You like get to go into the woods and you know see different stuff. And and there were so many times where I just I wanted to quit because it's just it's a it's a sport of just pure will and just pure endurance. Like I mean I'm sure like you know those of you that are runners, you're like no there is some skill and I'm sure it's the skill that like I didn't have that made me like never place and do anything well, but. It's just, there's so much just pure brute, just like, I am not going to stop. And, you know, oftentimes our lives are, are so much like that, right? Where it's just this sense of like, it, it's, it's hard to think about taking the next step, but I know I just, I have to keep going. And so the question I want to, uh, the question that Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 raises for us of, uh, how do you keep going when you don't want to? How do you keep running when you don't have any energy left? What keeps you moving? Um, because the reality is, is you know, all of all of your courses, you know, your life course will look different from the person sitting next to you, and will look different than mine. And some, quite frankly, are harder than others. And I can't explain why that is, but that's that's just how it is. So when you look out in front of you know, the rest of today, your week coming up, the, the next year, the rest of your life, what is it that motivates you to, to keep going and to, to keep pressing on, making it to the end? Um, I want to read uh, verse 1 again for us. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, right away there's a, a tension here that, um, you know, on one hand, it's like, uh, like the verse that I read that we read every Sunday when we start our time together, Jesus calling us to say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, who are burdened and who are weak and who are tired, come to me and I'll give you rest. But then you see, uh, a passage like this and uh, a number of others throughout the New Testament that liken following Jesus to a race, an endurance race, being an endurance runner. And so there's already this tension of, all right, so is it something that's restful and life-giving or is it something that is just kind of, you know, beating the life out of you with every step and you're just like, I can, I, I can barely keep taking the next step. And um, what this passage does for us is it shows it shows a few different things. Um, it points out a few, a few different things to focus on that you can focus on when you're running. When, when you think about actually running physically, um, what you look at, what you focus on, where your mind is at, is that's kind of the race in a lot of ways. I mean, it's a mental thing as much as it is a physical thing. So what you, what you focus on, what your attention is on, um, is very important. And there's a few things here that it shows us of um, what, you know, what should I be focusing on if I want to stay motivated in my life, period, but then also more specifically in following Jesus. Um, the first thing it tells us in, it, it, in the very beginning of uh, verse one is, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, if you weren't here with us last week, um, Alex uh, walked us through Hebrews 11, which is this passage that's just like, just boom, 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 naming all these people throughout the Old Testament who 
who had faith and did these amazing things. Um, they, you know, some of them says put foreign armies to flight and, you know, conquered kingdoms. And but then some of them also endured martyrdom. Um, the word witness, it literally means martyr, making, uh, testifying to something um, by, you know, willingness to go to the, the lengths of even um, dying. And there's this, it, it creates this picture of like, almost like you're running track and there's, you know, the track in the center and the field in the center. And then you've got the, the grandstand around you. And it's almost this picture of like all these people that were named. And then it goes on to say, you know, I don't even have the, the author says, I don't even have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and all these people and nameless other people that are there. And it's like, you know, in a way they're, they're kind of cheering, cheering you on in a way. They're up in the stands watching on, but I don't know about you, but I think about um, that to me actually, in a way is kind of encouraging and in a way kind of makes me keep wanting to go. But in another way, it's actually somewhat discouraging because when I think about, let's just take one of the more well-known guys that's mentioned when he was 11, Abraham. He was a guy who God said, look, I'm going to, through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. And he told him that when he didn't have, he had no kids. And he and his wife, in very old age, God finally blessed him with a child, and then the kid grows up, and then God says, now I want you to kill your son. And Abraham doesn't seem to, you know, bat an eye at that. And he goes, all he, he does, he prepares this sacrifice, he goes up on the mountain with his son, and his son the whole time was like, Dad, what's, what's going on? At one point he says, where's the, where's the ram that we're gonna sacrifice? And then he straps his son down, to the altar and he raises his hand in the air with his knife and then an angel says stop 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 now I know you know your faith well I, you know I read that and I think we you, know, you can hear that or you can read that and then you can read any other story about one of the heroes in the Old Testament and in a way it is inspiring but at the same time it's it's really not all that encouraging because there's part of me at least that goes I don't know that that's how I would respond I don't know that that's what I would do. If God said, take your, your one and only son and sacrifice him, I don't know that that's what I would go through with. You know, there's, it's so easy, right, to, um, to compare ourselves. And I think this is kind of, you know, on one hand, this is saying this is, this is an important thing, but it's not the thing that's gonna keep you motivated. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a grown man and I can spend about 10 seconds on Instagram before I'm like starting to feel like I'm crumbling a little bit because I'm seeing some other pastor and some other guy and some other, my friends. And, and really, I mean, I have to tell I like, I need to stop looking at this. Like, I'm honestly so glad that like all that stuff, like, I mean, I guess we had Facebook near the very end of, um, of high school, but you know, like that was so new. I'm just so glad that like, I was not knee deep in that stuff as a, as a you know, as a student, as a middle school or high school student because I can barely even take that now just comparing. Or I think about um, early on in, uh, particularly in, in my vocation in ministry, you know, I would look around at all the models that I had for those that were doing what I wanted to do and, and doing what I was doing. And, you know, so often I found myself so discouraged because I was like, I'm not like them in that, you know, they're these huge personalities and they can command a room and they can rally people to do stuff. And it's like, I'm just an introvert looking for the door. Like, I'm just like, 
I want a cup of coffee and just sit down with one person and everybody just leave me alone and just, you know, and, and seeing that and thinking, oh man, like I, I really was like questioning, did I, did I make the wrong decision? Did I mishear God? I'm just, and that's, it's, it can be poisonous. Right? Now people can be encouraging if, you, if your heart is in the right place, but so often our hearts aren't and we can look at others and we can allow ourselves to, um, to actually be discouraged by them when what they should be is a witness of like, yeah, let's keep going. It is worth it. Um, you can make it. So that's one thing. That's one thing you can focus on um, in, in this race of life, this race of following Jesus. But then another thing that it draws our attention to is this. It says, let us also lay aside every weight. Now, back in this, uh, this time and even before, you know, first century, um, it was it's a well-known, documented fact that Olympians... Um, they would have taken this verse, which wasn't there yet. They would have taken this very literally. They ran completely butt naked in the Olympics because they took all the weights off, all their clothes off, everything off. Um, So don't do that. That's not what this is talking about. But it does get the idea across of like, all right, if you have, I mean, the idea is even like, you know, if you have like baggy clothes or like a heavy jacket on, right, in the middle of summer, running outside, that is, you can get weighted down by things. And these aren't necessarily even bad things. It gets to that in a second. This is this can just be a good thing, like a winter jacket's a great thing, but in the wrong season, wearing that is not a good thing. And you can get weighed down by so many things. I mean, you know, what's something that's happened in your past, um, something that someone has said to you or done to you that can just weigh down and just press down on you. And that you can end up feeling like it's just you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And at some point, that it makes it harder and harder to even think about running the long haul of your life, let alone running, running the long haul of following Jesus. And oftentimes, you know, it's also just, um, you know, the, the weight that we can feel is, is just the evil in the world. I mean, like we just pray for what's going on in Ukraine and the countless other things that have happened today that none of, that didn't make the headlines. You know, just horrible things happening to women and children and um, just, I mean, just countless things that are happening just today. And we can look at that and we can say, God, if you are real, how could you? You know, how could you let these things happen? How could you let these things continue to happen? And that can oftentimes be one of the things that keeps someone from saying, look, I, I'm interested in this Jesus, but I, I just, I can't, re- you know, I can't reconcile with that. I don't, I can't go all in with him. Or, or that can actually be something that will derail you. you know, as, as, as your blinders come off and you begin to look at just the reality and the state of the world, and then again, your own life, it can be something that can, can derail you. So looking at other people, um, focusing on the weight that you're carrying as you're running and that kind of getting in your head, the weight of the world. Um, But then also it says, and uh, let us also lay aside the sin which clings so closely. So the idea here is is running, looking at your feet, which um, I I just started getting back into running and it was not so I could get sermon illustrations for this. It literally just happened like two weeks ago and I was like, oh yeah, this is... Uh, this actually will help a little bit. But I was, you know, I haven't run in so long. I was kind of just getting brushed up on like good form and good technique. Um, and everything I was looking up said basically the same basic things, you know, like make sure when you're running, you're breathing in your nose and out your mouth. 
and you know make sure you're not like going like this uh, but that you're kind of just you know like this to your side a little bit and 90 degree angle but not tense and you know, you know let your shoulders kind of relax and then always and I was like man this is like the thing I do I'm like and I like, must have just forgotten this from, you know, whenever, I, how long ago was I was running cross country, but like, I just was looking down straight at my feet and they're like, that's the worst thing you can do. A, you can't see what's in front of you. And B, you're gonna like kill your neck by looking down that often. And what this is talking about here is the sin which clings so closely. It's the idea is that what sin does, and sin is like the, the operating system in every human heart because we've rejected God that says, I can, I can do better without God. I know better. Um, I don't need him in my life. And it makes us reject him um, in all kinds of ways, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, and just in our hearts. But what that ends up doing is it's like it's, like it's tying you know, an extension cable around your legs, and it tangles you up. Or it's like looking down, all of a sudden, somehow your shoelaces are tied together and you're trying to, to run a race and you can't get you know, more than just a couple inches in between because you keep getting caught and tripped up on, on your shoelaces. And you can, you can look down at that and on one hand you can say like, just be frustrated because you don't know how your shoes got like that and you're like, who found my shoes, tied the laces together and then like set them conveniently where I was gonna put them on. Or you can look at it and just be embarrassed because you did it yourself. And you know that you've gotten yourself in some kind of predicament. You've gotten yourself in some kind of place that um, you've made your own life a mess. And it's embarrassing and it can be shameful for you to be reminded of that and to remember that. And you can get to a point where you know, it can, you can feel like so tangled up that you think, well, maybe, um, maybe I am, if I'm honest with myself, um, maybe I am too much for Jesus. Maybe, maybe I'm just too confusing of a project mess piece of yarn to untangle and get straight. And we can, if we make that the thing we focus on, then that along with focusing on the weight that we're wearing or looking around others, which ultimately, I mean, if your shoes are tied together right, you want to do something about that, right? But if that's all you're focusing on, that ultimately, that those, those things combined won't be enough to keep you going. It won't be enough to keep you motivated and following Jesus when, when life gets difficult. And at, you know, at the rock bottom, as I thought about this, like just what, what is it that makes, just even thinking for myself, what is it that, that can make following Jesus so difficult and feel like you're running a race of endurance is that it is so easy to just quite simply believe that he's not worth it. That you can see yourself going down other paths that aren't they're not even close to as difficult and they might seem just as rewarding and, and maybe more. And I think in the honesty of your own heart, even if you are a follower of Christ, even as a pastor, or crying out loud, I, you know, I've been there at times where I think, you know, is it, is he really worth it? 
verse 2 says this after saying, look, we have all these great witnesses, but they can discourage us if, if, if we just focus on them. We do have this weight on us, but it's really heavy. And we, we do at times see that our shoelaces are tied together and we're caught up in a mess that maybe we've made ourselves. And so it's encouraging us to run the race of endurance that is set before us. And then it says this, looking to Jesus. It's like this. It's almost like you're, you're running your race of your life. You're running your race of faith, of following Jesus. And it's, and it's gotten difficult, right? The weight, you're feeling the weight. And you're getting to the point where you're, you're thinking, honestly, I don't know if, if it is worth it anymore at this point. And just at that moment, just as you're slowing down and really getting close to just hopping off the course, it's like Jesus runs up next to you. And he's jogging right there beside you. And it's like he says, what have you been looking at? What have you been focusing on? Where has your attention been? And then it's like he, he runs a couple feet in front of you and he, he turns around. So you're not looking at his back, but you're looking at him in the face. And he's, you're running forward and he's jogging backwards. And as he's doing that, he just... He doesn't say a word, he just simply puts out his hands. And you see the holes in his hands. And you know what he's getting at. He's saying, Did you, have, you, have you looked at me recently? Have you seen what I've done for you? Have you noticed that? Have you considered that? It goes on to say this, looking to Jesus, right? That your only hope, my only hope, because if you look to me, to, you know, if you look to anybody else, if you look, whatever you look at is ultimately going to disappoint you. It's ultimately going to suck your energy out. Looking to Jesus, and it says it's the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is where, you know, if, if we let this really sink in, what this is saying is it's, it's like, he's run your race for you already. You know, you have this race set before you, but it also says, you know, he has essentially this race set before him. He had a race in front of him too. And his race was actually your race. His race was enduring the cross and despising the shame or shaming the shame of not being, you know, not letting the, the pain. I mean, just, I mean, the cross was, I mean, that's, that's the most weighty, embarrassing thing that anyone could do. You're stripped naked, you, you're nailed to a piece of wood, and then you're hoisted up for all people as a spectacle. And he endured that. That was his race, which was ultimately your race. The race of paying for your sin, of paying the price, the consequence of rejecting God and choosing to make yourself into your own God. He took that punishment, which is death. He absorbed all of that, the thought, word, and, and deed, rejection of him in his body on that cross. And he didn't allow the shame of it to be something that he said, well, it's, it's not worth it. What Jesus said is, he, what he's doing when he's running right there in front of you and you're questioning, are you worth it, Jesus? He's saying, 
I'm telling you, you were worth it. You are worth it. Because it, it says that, amazingly, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How was their joy? How could there have possibly, if you think about you being executed tomorrow, how could there possibly be any kind of joy in that? I don't know if you guys have seen um, you know, these videos. There's a few of them um, that I've seen pop up. And there are these amazing videos of, you know, a baby, maybe a year old, who has, you know, they, they were born deaf. They couldn't hear. And they get this cochlear implant surgery. And the surgery is completed. And once they recover, then this is where the video starts, right? They're in the doctor's office. They're in the office of the audiolo- audiologist. And the baby's in there sitting on their mom's lap and the dad's standing right next to them. And you see the doctor doing some things, you know, turning something on, attaching you know, the hearing aid. And then they turn it on. And all of a sudden, the baby is like, it's, it's hearing. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, no one's even talking, but you hear that humming of that noise right there. And then it makes a sound, and it's made, baby's made sounds, but now it's hearing itself for the first time. And then all of a sudden, you, you see the mom bend over and whisper into her baby's ear for the first time that they could ever hear it, I love you. And you see the mom crying, you see the dad crying. You're crying. I'm about to cry. You're crying. Because of this amazing moment, it's just, it's joy, right? It's pure joy. But then there's also somebody else that's in the room too. The doctor, who has the joy of knowing because of the price they paid to go through school, the price they paid to work long hours, to learn all this stuff, because of that is, has made it possible for this little baby to be, to hear the voice of their mother and father. And for these parents to actually finally be heard, for their love to actually be received in a way that up until this point had not been able to be received. I think that's the kind of joy that Jesus was like, it is, it's worth it. It's worth it because you will hear the voice of your father because of what I'm going to do outside of this, you're not going to want anything to do with me. But my, my death is going to be so overwhelming to you. My um, expression of self-giving love is going to crack open your heart, open up your ears, open up your mind, so that you hear the voice of your Father's love in a way that otherwise you never could have hear it, heard it. He could be saying it all your life, right? But you can't hear it until Jesus steps in. And by his spirit, he begins to open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your ears to hear and receive this. I think that gets at the heart of the joy that Jesus had, that he was going to be stripped naked, nailed to a piece of wood, and hoisted up to be mocked and rejected by men. I think that 
as you run your race. And Jesus is right there in front of you, jogging backwards with his hands out like this. I think you can tell him what it is that is making it so difficult for you to keep going. I think you can tell him. I think you can show him those things because he's not gonna laugh at you. He's not gonna say, what are you talking about? He's gonna say, I know. That's, that's such a theme in the book of Hebrews that he is a, he's a sympathetic high priest. He gets it. He gets us. He became one of us. says, you know, in, in giving up his life, that, you know, it was worth it and I would do it all over again. Enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. You know, I think one thing that this frees you up to do, right, when you think about this, that yeah, you're running a race. You're running, and it takes endurance, and everybody's course is different, and just like in cross country, and I remember so many times that we had no idea what the course was gonna look like going into it. Maybe we were supposed to, maybe our coach was lazy, maybe I wasn't listening, I don't know, but I was always surprised. You never know what's around the next corner. You never know when, how many hills there are gonna be, what the elevation gain is gonna be, and the race that is set before you, I can't tell you that either. You don't know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But think about it like this. Jesus running your race for you. I think we can think about it like this. Have a little sanctified imagination. The race that you're running is not like, I've got to win this thing. It's already been, I mean, Jesus sent across it. It is finished. So what are you running for? Really what you're running is, it's like a victory lap. That's what's left for you to run. The work has been done. The price has been paid. And now you get to just follow him. Now, that doesn't mean that life isn't hard. There aren't going to be people booing you because, you know, all that stuff. That's going to happen. But really, nothing is on the line for you except to just stick with him, to not lose sight of him, to not lose your grip on him. And, you know, just please take some pressure off of yourself. Right now, take some pressure off of yourself. The staff, uh, we're telling you about this 5K race that happens at the zoo every year, and it's called like the sloth run or something, something like that. And it's like, run for them because they can't run for themselves. And I'm like, I love that, it's amazing. And um, you, know, you think about sloth, it's like, yeah, they can't run, but they could. I mean, that would just be really slow, right? You're not trying to win anything. Yes, work hard. Yes, be diligent. Yes, seek the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life to, to go the right way. Yes, care about yourself, care about those around you, follow Jesus, recognize, yeah, he does call me to take up my cross, but he's never gonna call you to do something he hasn't already done for you on your behalf. He does call you to do all these things, right? But your goal, and honestly, the, the older that I get, because I'm so old, the older that I get, the more I just, I, I watch other pastors fall, the more I watch other, my friends just like 
flake out of following Jesus, the more, and just life just be difficult, right? The more I'm like, you know what? My goal is becoming less and less to be successful and to do something that gets attention. Um, and just, I just want to finish healthy. Like, I just want to run the race that Jesus has given me and not, like Paul says, count my life as any precious or having uh, any value at all, but I may just finish, to just finish. And that's really all you have to do. It doesn't matter if you are, uh, if you are got your little sloth, whatever those things are called, fingers, talons, going along at a sloth's pace. That's okay. Just keep going. And I love, you know, the Lord's table because um, Jesus inviting you, hey, come have a meal with me. And the meal is going to be my body and my blood. And it's like, you know, when you're running, if you've ever run uh, for, for a longer distance, um, you may have experienced this thing called a second wind where, you know, you hit the brink of exhaustion and then something happens. And, and honestly, I was trying to figure out if, if like scientists and doctors know why. They don't know why this happens. They, they have some theories, but they don't really know why, what causes this to happen in, in the human body. That when you get to the point of exhaustion, something happens and you can just keep going. Like it's like you just started. I think that's what God wants to do for you. I think he wants to, to give you a second wind as often as you need it by looking to Jesus. And, you know, looking, I mean, we look at these physical elements of, of the broken bread and the cup and we're reminded he said it was worth it. He said it was worth it so that I could hear the Father's voice. This is like a, you know, a, a breath fresh air, second wind for us. And so in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together and, um, and, and doing just this, looking to Jesus. And we're doing it together, but it's, it, you know, you're not primarily focused on the others. And, uh, am I walking in the right place? And, you know, just, this is a time for you to just spend with Jesus. Right? Just take some of the pressure off for a moment, not go through the motions, and just in the quietness of your heart say, Jesus, I want to meet with you. Jesus, I want to hear from you, Jesus. I need you. And if you're here and you um, have stumbled your way in here and somehow you got here because a friend invited you or you just found us, something like that, and you would say, look, this is all cool and whatnot, but I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't identify as a Christian. I cannot say how glad I am that you came and you joined us. Um, and I hope that you will do that again. But this is, this is a moment that we take as, as a community of followers of Jesus um, very sacredly. So we, we, we would ask you not, when we do it in just a few moments to go over to the tables, uh, to not partake in this. But I would encourage you, if you feel so led, just to pray in your heart. Whatever you might want to pray, but I think it's a good, simple prayer that God will answer if you, if you ask it sincerely. Is God, show me if you're real. Jesus, if you're real and all this stuff is real, show me. Tell me that. And I think you'll answer that. So what, uh, what we're going to do is just enter into a time of celebrating what Jesus has done for us, remembering that, getting a second wind, to keep going forward. Um, and so, you know, take, take a moment if you want to at your seat, and then whenever you're ready, you can go to either of the two tables um, to get the elements. And then if you want to come back to your seat, you can do that. If you want to come back and kneel at your seat, we have some space. If you just want to stand, just kind of have some space, uh, you can do that as well. The band will lead us. Jesus, thank you. We just say thank you that you, you looked at the cross, you looked at the race set before you, and you said that it was worth it. 
Lord, we know that you had every opportunity to give up on that race. That no one was holding a gun to your head to do this, but you did it out of joy. So Lord, would we be able to, to look you in the face in this moment and just remember that. That you said we were worth it before we said that you were worth it. That you died for us before you called us to come and take up our cross and follow you. So Holy Spirit, come and meet with us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people said amen. So when you're ready, feast on Christ in your hearts by faith and be thankful. So glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at antiochbhm.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at antiochbhm.com. Go in peace.